0: Alright, hello everyone, welcome to the As of Yet Unnamed podcast. This is episode 11, and as always, I have Parth here with me. Hey, what's up? And today we're going to be talking about Metallica's discography. Making our own tier lists, and seeing what we think of each album compared to each other. Yeah,
1: yeah, it should be fun. Metallica, you know, super popular metal band.
0: Everybody knows them, even if they don't listen to them.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Okay, so we're going to start off with Metallica's first studio album, Kill Em All, which was released on July 25th, 1983. It's got 10 total tracks, and it runs for about 51 minutes. I mean, personally, I think this is a really solid debut. Definitely a very important thrash metal album. It was like one of the first... thrash metal albums
0: very influential and important release in 80s metal overall especially since it came out right there at the beginning kind of of the thrash metal scene very influential on a lot of acts that would come later that decade
1: right yeah i think they like took the sort of like new wave of british heavy metal sound and like made it more punk i think that's essentially like what they that's what i've read yeah
0: they they in, incorporated more punk elements like the D beat kind of rhythms and like the faster picking and you know more chuggy notes and that kind of stuff yeah give it more of a even more of an energetic feel
1: you're right yeah i think this album it doesn't really have any duds in my opinion pretty much every song i remember being like at least pretty good
0: I do like how on this album there's like a very much kind of a speed metal feel. A lot of the early thrash albums kind of feel they they have more of that speed metal feeling than just pure thrash. Kind of like what you would think of more like mid to late 80s thrash metal. Yeah, that
1: is true. Yeah, this album definitely has like some speed metal influence.
0: I, I, that makes it stick out in my mind in their discography. Just that kind of, that kind of vibe it doesn't show up past this ride the lightning which is their next album has more of that solid you know typical thrash metal sound yeah right but yeah this has some really good tracks on it standouts like hit the lights uh, motor breath whiplash seek and destroy is a big song that i know a lot of people know yeah and even some of the deeper cuts like phantom lord or uh, no remorse or metal militia those are all really solid songs i think
1: yeah Right, I think uh, my favorites would probably be like Motor Breath, Jump in the Fire, and The Four Horsemen. But yeah, like all the songs were pretty good, like Hit the Lights, and uh, I think No Remorse I remember really liking. Yeah, it's like, I guess sort of an essential listen when it comes to thrash metal.
0: Yeah. If you're going to listen to Metallica, you should definitely start here yeah right because it very much encapsulates just their entire sound in the 80s pretty much just in its most pure form
1: yeah you know dave mustaine obviously also had some like writing credits on this album like i know he kind of wrote uh jump in the fire i, I think um and I, you can i think kind of hear that like his uh writing style you can hear it in, in, in songs like Jump in the fire.
0: Yeah. His solo style is kind of, his guitar solos are definitely different from what Kirk Hammett would start to play when he would join the band. Yeah. So this is also interesting in that regard in that it's the only album that has Dave Mustaine on it before they would kick him out and right. Megadeth would form. And I do say, I think The Four Horsemen is worse than Mechanics, which is the <laughs> Dave Mustaine version of that song. Yeah. Since he had a writing credit on it, he was able to make his own version of it with Megadeth, and I definitely prefer the faster version.
1: Mm. Yeah,
0: I can see that.
1: I also, I feel like this album is really kind of, it sounds like they're just kind of trying to have fun and write like, catchy songs, I guess. Like, it's not really a super dark album. Like, not not as, I guess, serious as some of their later albums. So it kind of just sounds like some guys who, like, got together in a garage or something and recorded some, like, fast, energetic songs,
0: you know? Yeah, it's got much more of, like, a fun feeling. Whereas, um, like, Ride the Lightning and going forward, it had... The, the music had a much more, like you said, serious tone to it. Yeah. Just in the lyricism and the songwriting. Whereas this just kind of feels energetic and upbeat. And like you said, like just dudes having fun playing music. Yeah. All right. So overall, I think for me that this would probably be solidly in the A tier.
1: Yeah, I think I would agree with that and also put it in A tier. Pretty solid. All
0: right. And moving on from "Kill 'Em All, we go to Ride the Lightning. It was released July 27th of 1984. It has a total of eight tracks, and it comes to about 47 minutes in runtime. And this is, I would say, a noticeable step up from the debut just in terms of, like we mentioned earlier, like the tone. This feels like a much more serious approach to the music. Like they were trying, instead of just having fun with it, they were trying to more make a statement. Like, you know, this is this is the kind of music we want to make, and we want it to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that comes through in a lot of the the songwriting Songs like "Ride the Lightning," which have you know, kind of more a a dour tone with the the content of the lyrics, and things like um, "Fade to Black," which has a very dark tone to it overall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but again, this is another album I feel like is kind of quintessential Metallica. This right. feels like kind of like for me at least the pinnacle of their songwriting. Like, and they would hold it for I think the next couple albums. But this is kind of where they reached the peak of what I think they would achieve.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I definitely think this is a step up from their debut. I feel like the songwriting pretty much uh, did improve a little bit. Uh, The production, I think, definitely improved. Uh, I really actually like the production on this album. It definitely has a lot of Metallica classics like Ride the Lightning, Fade to Black, For Whom the Bell Tolls. And yeah, the tone definitely shifted a little bit, became a little more serious. Yeah, again, I do agree with you that this is also kind of an essential Metallica listen, like, if you're going to try to listen to them, you have to listen to this album. And then you also have, like, The Call of Cthulhu on this album, which was probably their first, like, longer instrumental, which
0: is also really good. This is also where you get the last... The last bits of Dave Mustaine's influence with, like, Call of Cthulhu is, I think, an instrumental that he wrote. Yeah. I don't know if he actually performs it on the album, but I know right. he gets the writing credit for it.
1: Yeah. I He definitely, I think, uh, did write, I guess, most of it. Uh, I think he didn't perform it. I think uh, Metallica performed it on the album, but he definitely
0: had a big part writing that song. This is also where you see a lot of the... Um, just looking at the writing credits, it becomes more of a full band thing. I know on the debut, Killem All, I think it's mostly James Hetfield and some Dave Mustaine in there writing most of it. Whereas on this album you see a lot more credits from Cliff Burton, who's an amazing bass player, who yeah. um really gets time to shine with some of his bass parts. His only writing credit on the first album was the instrumental Anesthesia, which is just mm-hmm. a bass and drum track. Yeah. But I feel like this is where the band kind of came together more as like a cohesive unit and you really feel that in the songwriting. It feels like you said, like a step up.
1: Yeah. I I guess I will say that there's a couple songs on here that I feel uh I've never been like huge on, which are Escape and Trapped Under Ice. Uh I mean they're not like bad, but I just I felt like they're not up like quite up to par with the rest of the album but then like you also have songs like creeping death which i think are amazing (laughs) or like fight fight with fire the intro so like overall it's not really like i don't think it like brings the album down really that much
0: yeah i know that it's kind of common knowledge now that escape is like the radio song. Yeah. Like, they were kind of mandated by the label to put more of a radio-friendly track on the album, and that's what Escape is. Right. But, to me, I've always found the album to be extremely consistent. I like Trapped Under Ice and Escape. And overall, I just feel like it's a very consistent track list. Like you said, you start out with Fight Fire, and Fight fight Fire with Fire, which is a great track. Ride the Lightning is a great track. For Whom the Bell Tolls is like a classic that you hear, you know, stadium, sporting events, play (laughs) it, like, over the Jumbotron and stuff. Yeah and fade to black's also like their first kind of ballad-esque song yeah and it's also really well done so just overall a great a great track list in my opinion and i feel like uh the call of cthulhu is probably one of my favorite instrumentals of theirs really well done i think nice
1: yeah i also appreciate how they kept the album length like it was pretty concise it wasn't too long like 47 minutes that's very like digestible like their later albums definitely got pretty long like 70 plus minutes and i feel like when you have longer albums like that there is like a much higher likelihood that there will be like songs that aren't as good you
0: know more filler yeah whereas all their early albums are like all killer no filler (laughs) (laughs) essentially yeah
1: yeah as far as the ranking goes for Rides of Lightning, I think I would also put it in A tier. I do think it's better than Kill 'em Em All, but I'm not sure I would quite put it at that like S tier level. But it's like a really strong A tier, so yeah, that's where I'm putting it.
0: For me, I, I would think I would probably put it in S tier. It's one of my favorite albums of theirs. So. Oh yeah? Yeah.
1: Nice. Solid, yeah. I... And this album has actually uh, grown on me. I think a little bit over the years. Like uh, I've always liked it, but I used to consider it like not really as good as like their other '80s albums. But like over time, I re- it's really kind of solidified itself as like one of their best. Yeah, movies.
0: definitely a grower. And, and it's the same for me. I felt like it's grown on me over time. Yeah, it's just got the songwriting so good. Right. But I think it takes a couple of listens to really appreciate it.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So next up, we have Master of Puppets, which was released March 3rd, 1986. And it has eight tracks, and it comes out to about 55 minutes. Master of Puppets is, like, the big Metallica album, right? Probably, like, their most iconic, uh, or one of their most
0: iconic. Yeah. In terms of thrash metal, it might be the most iconic thrash yeah. metal album of all time. Yeah, probably. Rivaled only maybe by Rust in Peace.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, this album is heralded as like, you know, maybe the greatest thrash metal album of all time. And uh, it's got a lot of like big songs from the top. The title track, of course, is like a huge hit. Even if you don't really know metal, you probably know that song. Yeah. And you got like, you know, Welcome Home, Battery, Orion, really like popular songs for Metallica. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good album. I like the album, but um, over time, honestly, it's actually kind of grown off of me a little bit. I, I'm gonna be honest and say I think it's like slightly overrated at this point.
0: I would agree with that. I I think it's overrated. Yeah, I think it's got that like introductory metal appeal. Like it's very digestible and easy to listen to. And even if you don't really like metal, this is an album you you can like and get into. Yeah, and that's good because it's it's a gateway. You know, starting with Master of Puppets is a great way to get into metal because it's it's such a Good and digestible metal album, but I feel like compared to their other '80s output, it's just not as good. Once you start exploring their discography more, Mm, yeah,
1: right. I like there are some like amazing songs on here. I think like the title track and Disposable Heroes, but then there is also actually multiple songs which I just I've never. I don't really care for that much. Like, like, Battery, I don't think is like a very great opener or anything. Uh, like, Damage Incorporated, I've never really cared for that much. Or, uh, like, songs like The Thing That Should Not Be, I think is a little too, like, repetitive and, like, like,
0: plotting, I guess is the word. Yeah. I feel like the album, to be. You know, have gained the reputation that it does. I feel like it starts very weak. Battery, I don't think, is a great opener. And it closes really weak. Like you said, <laughs> Damage Incorporated is not a great song, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. There are the greats, though. Master of Puppets is an iconic and great track. No no one's going to dispute that. Yeah. I think Welcome Home Sanitarium's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Disposable Heroes is a great track. And Orion is a great instrumental, with mm-hmm. like a lot of great bass work on it. Yeah. Uh, branching out into that more kind of atmospheric uh vibe that not a lot of metallica really gets into
1: right
2: i
0: think that's a really cool switch up kind of towards the end of the album to have that you know more out of left field instrumental track Mm -hmm. yeah and i think leper messiah is all right right not as good as the rest of the tracks but yeah just having songs like the thing that should not be which doesn't do enough given its runtime it just kind of plays the same riff over and over again and it just gets boring yeah and then songs like battery and damage incorporated they all just kind of bring the album down overall for me right and uh
1: i think the production is really good it's very well produced especially for 1986 i don't like the production like quite as much as ride the lightning's production but it's really good but i think the songwriting this kind of um is a little weaker than the past probably the past two albums And it does like hurt the album a little bit. I mean, the album is like iconic and again, sort of an essential listen for Metallica. But I just feel like it maybe gets a little too much praise.
0: Yeah, I feel like if you're coming into metal as like a complete outsider, like you've never been in the metal, this is definitely the Metallica album. Maybe the metal album in general to start with.
1: Yeah, right.
0: But if you're if you're already into like kind of metal adjacent stuff uh like heavier music. I think you'd better be better off starting with like Kill 'em All or Ride the Lightning just cuz I think they're better albums overall. Right. If you're already more into the heavier side of music.
1: Right. Yeah, I I think I agree with you that this is pretty like digestible for thrash metal. Like, if you're trying to listen to thrash metal, you should start here.
0: yeah It's not overly technical. It's easy to listen to. The production, like you say, it's really well produced. You got a very clean sound. Yeah. There's nothing here that you would find offensive to the ears, like you would with a lot of metal that gets so you know, overly abrasive or anything like that. Right. I would say too that this is the last album that features Cliff Burton as the bassist. Since oh, he yeah. would tragically pass away on the tour for this album. Right. And going forward I think that's definitely noticeable. once once you get past Master of Puppets you kinda of realize how much he brought to the songwriting, I think. Because mm-hmm. uh, not so much on I Injustice for All, but going past Injustice for All the songwriting changes drastically yeah and you know that's kind of the split once you get to that self-titled album that's where the songwriting drastically changes and i think that's a lot due to his passing and you really happen to notice it after this album just the drastic change in songwriting
1: yeah it would be interesting to see like what metallica would have sounded like if he hadn't passed away like would they still have changed their sound so much or would they have stuck to Thrash Metal? I don't know.
0: So for me overall, as far as the ranking in the tier list goes, I think I'm going to put Master of Puppets solidly in B tier. I think that's yeah. where it would fit for me. Okay. it's It's got some great highlights and some duds. <laughs> but I think the highlights do enough to pull it up to B tier, at least for me. Right. Yeah, for me,
1: I was kind of debating between A and B tier. But I think I'm also going to go B-tier, which, like, I guess sounds kind of crazy when you think about it. You put Master of Puppets in B-tier, but, (laughs) yeah, I just don't, I don't think, there's too many, like, I guess, songwriting, like, blemishes on the album for me to put it, like, above B-tier. But it's a good album.
0: Oh, yeah. You know. Definitely would recommend listening to it. Yeah. If you have somehow never listened to anything off of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, oh, I guess I will say that this was like my favorite Metallica album at one point. But uh, over time, obviously, it's grown off me.
0: I don't know that it ever actually was my favorite. I always <laughs> favored uh Killem All and Ride the Lightning. Oh, really? When I first started listening to Metallica. I think this was the first Metallica album I ever listened to. Mm. But I think it never was my favorite. Because once I, once I hit that Metallica stage where I started listening to them, I quickly branched out and listened to like all their stuff. Because I really got into Metallica there for a while when I was first getting into like, thrash metal. Yeah. And I don't think it ever really was my favorite of their albums. Interesting. All right. And moving on from Master of Puppets, we're going to run into And Justice For All, their fourth studio album. It released September 7th of 1988 and is the first album to feature a new bassist, being Jason Newstead. It features nine tracks and clocks in at about 65 minutes, so you can see that jump. They're going to steadily keep getting longer from here on out. Yep. But for me, this is truly the peak of Metallica. This is the best they're going to get. You're not going to get any better than Injustice for All. I mean, you got... Classic after classic, you got Blackened and Justice for All, Eye of the Beholder, Everybody Knows One. That might be yeah. even bigger than Master of Puppets at this point, the song Master of Puppets. Right. And even on the back half, you got great songs like The Shortest Straw, Hoversturf of Sorrow, Freight Ends of Sanity. To Live Is To Die is an amazing instrumental that's kind of a tribute to Cliff Burton since he had passed away before the recording of this. And you close out with Dyer's Eve, which I think is a great closer. It's just an incredible thrash metal and metal album in general for me
1: yeah i think this is an awesome album uh in my opinion this is pretty much like peak metallica so yeah i agree it's this i think got like the best songwriting they probably ever had and yeah you also have amazing songs on here like blackened which is a great uh opener and justice for all one obviously to is to die is probably my favorite metallica instrumental yeah their songwriting i think got a little more interesting on this album because it is a little bit more progressive than like their other albums with like longer songs and like odd time signatures lots more varied song structures
0: yeah they, they very they strayed very far away of like from like the verse chorus verse chorus song structure on here yeah. into these much longer winding songs that kind of just branch out in these very these different directions that you wouldn't expect based off of their last three albums.
1: Right. I just feel like it's like like a kick ass album. I don't know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's just great songwriting. It's just great riff after great riff after great riff. Yeah. The lyricism I think here on here is really good. All the playing is done really well. I mean it's got some of their best drum tracks i think in my opinion yeah lars doesn't hold a particularly high bar when it comes to drumming <laughs> in my opinion <laughs> what you get on kill em all is basically what you get <laughs> for yeah. all of their albums <laughs> as far as the drumming goes uh but there's some standout parts on here most people have a problem with this album a very big problem and that is the production yeah for a lot of people i think the production on this album completely ruins it for them mm-hmm. there is absolutely no bass on this album no no bass whatsoever but for me, it kind of adds to the atmosphere of the album in a way. A lot of these songs are very bleak and a kind of desolate feeling in terms of the lyricism. Yeah. And I feel like the production choice on here, even though I don't think the purpose of it was to give that kind of atmosphere to the tracks, it inadvertently does, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think they were more just hazing Jason Newsted, the new bassist, by <laughs> cutting his tracks out of the album. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but... But I really like just the overall vibe of the listen because of the production, which is something that I don't see a lot of people feel. Most of them feel very turned off by the production.
1: Right. Yeah. I also actually really like the production on this album. I honestly don't really care that much that you can't hear the bass. I've just never really like missed the bass on this album. Um, the riffs
0: are so good, you don't. I mean, the bass just follows the riffs for the most part on this album. Yeah. And the riffs are so good that you're not going to miss the bass just doing the same thing that the, right. the guitar is already doing. Right. And I can understand the complaint because, I mean, the first three albums, I feel like Cliff Burton really brought his own style to it. Like, the bass made a much bigger difference mm-hmm. on Kill 'Em All, Ride the Lightning, and Master of Puppets. Yeah. And he had kind of a very integral role to the song. Writing and would play off the guitar in more interesting ways, whereas on this album, the bass tracks, if you look them up they they just follow the guitar. There's no real style to it at this point, and Jason Newsted hadn't really socketed himself into the band really well yet, I don't think mm-hmm. so I don't miss the bass, and I honestly, you can look up on YouTube versions of this album where they've brought the bass up in the mix, yeah, and I feel like that almost ruins it in a way
1: yeah i I've heard <laughs> those versions too, and I think i prefer the original yeah I also really like uh the guitar tone on this album, and just kind of how I guess dry the album sounds. I think you're right. it kind of adds to the atmosphere it like it matches with like the dark lyrics, I think, yeah, even though it's like sixty five minutes, it doesn't feel like it's like too long or something, like I don't think I'd really necessarily cut out any songs. Even though, I'll say, it, I've never been, like, huge on Dire's Eve. That's the one song which I, I've i never really been able to get into on this album. But even that's not, like, a huge problem. I just feel like the songwriting overall is very strong. Yeah, there's, like, so many, I guess, standout moments on the album. Like when Blacken uh, comes in with that reversed intro. Or, um... And... The frayed ends of sanity. There's this one riff in the middle, which is really cool. W- right after this, like drum fill. I think you know what I'm.
0: Talking. Yeah, I know. I know what part. I'm yeah, talking. that
1: part's so cool. <laughs> and then, um like, I guess to live is to die. That uh like clean bridge in the middle, I
0: really like.
1: Yeah, it's just like a really good album. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's just like there. There's for me. There's nothing to cut out, like you said. You know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't drag at any point for me, right? Which was the cut, which was my problem with Master of Puppets. Some of the songs dragged on that album, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And you don't get any of that here. These these songs, they they all, you know, they pull you in and they keep you. You don't you don't fall off or you know get brought out of it,
1: right? And uh, this album did uh, grow on me. Actually, I remember I used to not really like um like the section in the middle. From the shortest straw to the frayed ends of sanity, like the those three songs in the middle, um, and like, including Harvester of Sorrow, and because it was like slower, like a slower section of the album, I guess, and I I thought it was like kind of boring, but those songs have grown on me too, and, and I like them now.
0: For me, the frayed ends of sanity is like probably one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh-huh. Like, I, obviously, I think Blackened and Injustice for All are my the top tracks for me off of here but freight ends of sanity is up there as well
1: right yeah yeah blackened is such a good opener like it just like it gets you ready for the album oh okay we're going yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what we're doing now <laughs> yeah that riff it kind come he comes in with is crazy it's like so fast and i've like tried to play it and...
0: yeah that's a tough riff <laughs> yeah it, it's crazy being able if you can play that riff like it's played on the album i mean props to you that's <laughs> you gotta have some strong picking <laughs> to right. be able to play that riff yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of that's what i like about this album like you say it feels like the most progressive and technical out of all of their albums really right. like there is some intense riffing on this album yeah, And I think that's really what brings it up to that next level is just how much work it seems went into the actual playing on the album. Just trying to be, you know, at the top of their game for, yeah. these, for the songwriting.
1: Yeah, it's probably their most technically impressive album, even on the drums.
0: <laughs> yeah, he is kind of like, like, it's probably got some of their best drum tracks, which is something you usually wouldn't say about Metallica. The drums never stick out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, so as far as the tier list goes, I would definitely put this in the S tier. I mean, it's my favorite Metallica album, so I, I definitely think it deserves an S tier.
0: Yeah, same for me. I would probably put it at the top of the S tier. I mean, Ride the Lightning is amazing, but I feel like this is definitely their best work. Yeah. So uh, it would be at the top for me. Nice. <laughs>
1: double, <S-tier>. yeah, yep. <laughs> double S tier. Yeah, double S.
0: I put it in triple S if I could.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so next up we have Metallica's fifth album, the self titled album Metallica, which was released August 12th, 1991, and it has 12 tracks coming in at about 62 minutes.
0: This is where we're going to start diverging (laughs) in terms of Metallica's discography. This is their last like at least for a long time, their last pure heavy metal album. It's not even really thrash metal at this point. this is where they really slowed down right. and focused not not focused necessarily, but brought more melody into the writing. Mm-hmm. The earlier albums melody wasn't a huge part of it; It was more just focusing on the speed and the you know energy of the tracks, yeah, and this is where their yeah. rhythm and yeah this is where they really started to slow down and try to make catchier songs, yeah. Which, for better and for worse, has been a massive album. You know, yeah. you know, the, the number of bands influenced by the Black Album is endless. Mm-hmm. It's such a seminal and landmark metal album. Coming out right there at the beginning of the 90s, 91. You know, right when hair metal was dying out. And grunge was starting to come up. This is really what kept metal alive between this and Pantera, I guess. Yeah. It really kept the metal scene alive after hair metal really burned out there at the end of the 80s
1: right yeah yeah this is like i think the best selling metal album of all time i'm pretty sure yeah
0: uh, it is i'm pretty sure
1: yeah and yeah this is like i guess if you're not like a big metal head i think this would probably be like your favorite album because it's like very accessible even though it is like metal but it's like, I guess, catchy, like you said, right? And it, I guess there's a reason it's the most popular. They made their music a lot more accessible and catchy. And um, that's cool, I guess. But for me personally, it's never really been uh, my style of music, I guess. And I just, I, the songwriting is fine. It For what they were trying to do, it worked. But I just don't think it's very interesting, personally. I and mean, you got like, Andrew Sandman" on this album, which is like, you know, one of the top three most popular Metallica tracks, which you you've heard everywhere, you know.
0: Everybody's heard Andrew Sandman."
1: Yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> I don't think it's a particularly like super well written song.
0: A lot of the songwriting on here is just kind of boring for me. (laughs) Um, It's like you said, if you're not like a metalhead, then I can see you really liking this album. Mm -hmm. There's a reason it's like the best-selling metal album, you know, because it's going to draw in people that don't typically listen to metal. But I feel like if you're into metal, then this really is nothing. (laughs) You really uh if if you and i mean that if you like you're really in the like more underground stuff there's not going to be anything on here that really catches you i don't think mm-hmm. a lot of the songwriting is very kind of mid-tempo you know standard 4/4 drum drum track rhythm with some decent riffs over top of it i guess you know songs like sad but true are catchy yeah Inter-Sandman has like you know that big catchy chorus mm-hmm. but I mean, a lot of these songs for me. This is where their albums, the, the tracks on them, just kind of start to run together. They all feel very similar, track to track.
1: Yeah, yeah. It is. It becomes hard for me with this album to like remember specific songs and what they sound like. For sure, the only song on this I I would say I really like is the Unforgiven. I actually think if that's like a well written song, that I would still listen to but like, other than that i just i just don't have a desire to go back to these songs i mean there's some kind of like cool parts maybe like i remember uh, what song was it i think uh, you know i can't even remember what song it was that <laughs> but one of them had this cool kind of thrashy riff at the beginning it was like that uh, of wolf and man. I think that might be it. Yeah, either that or maybe it's through the never. No, no, no. It it's, is through it's... the never. I think. No, no. I think it was holier than thou. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beginning of that song, it was like a kind of a faster thrashy. Rhythm. That I thought that was kind of cool. You know, there might be moments on there where I'm like, that's kind of interesting, but. Overall, I just feel like the songwriting kind of took a nosedive from the last album. It's really
0: just a different style, though, and it's for like a different audience, yeah, definitely so, that, that they they definitely transitioned out of that more kind of underground phase that metal had in the eighties and really tried to push it on the more like a a global you know mainstream appeal kind of sound. Mm-hmm. and it's impressive that they managed to do that while still remaining you know distinctly metal it's still a metal album yeah but yeah it really just none of the songs on here really do anything for me oh yeah it's not that any of them are particularly bad i don't think it's a bad album but it's just nothing on here really grabs me whatsoever mm. <laughs> i did I i did really used to like the unforgiven and i still think it's probably the best song on the album but even so i don't think it, it, there's not a track on here that i would go back and listen to today really
1: yeah <laughs> and I, I used to like sad but true but even that one i don't really care about anymore i guess the production is technically like pretty good like objectively i mean lots of people are like wow how did they achieve that production they try to i think like replicate it but it, like I've heard it's pretty hard to replicate. I don't know, um, but I mean it's okay. Like a per- my personal preference, I don't, I don't think it's like great. Like I much prefer the production of the last four albums, but it's like big, I guess. And yeah. uh,
0: they traded like the character of the production on the first four albums for like a much cleaner kind of bigger sound. Yeah, and that. Like, that goes along, I think, with, you know, the more mainstream appeal. You know, the, a mainstream audience doesn't want to listen to the production on Injustice for All. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like the black metal argument. Like, a lot of black metal is intentionally bad sounding because it adds to the music. If you like it, it adds to the, the atmosphere of the music. Yeah. And I think this went in the opposite approach, where it just tried to be as listenable as possible.
1: Yeah. That's true. And you also have ballads on here like Nothing Else Matters, and eh, I've never been a huge fan of ballads. There aren't many ballads I like, and yeah, I don't really care for Nothing Else Matters.
0: Yeah, for me, I think Fade the Black's probably been the only ballad they've ever really done that has really, you know, something that I go back and listen to. Yeah. Nothing Else Matters, I don't think. is a particularly great track. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the, the songs on here, like I said, they kind of sound the same. Like, The God That Failed is just sad but true again, <laughs> kind of. Oh, really? Yeah, as far as I remember, it's got that same kind of plodding, mid-tempo, chuggy kind of feel. Right. And I think that's to the detriment of the album. It just, I wouldn't have minded this more straightforward sound if they still mixed in some other, you know, more thrashy elements with it. hmm I
1: really do struggle to remember a lot of what these songs sounded like, but I couldn't tell you what my friend of misery sounds like. If you played it, I would probably like remember it, but just from the name, like I couldn't tell you. <laughs> and like that's probably not a good thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not a good thing though. It, it, it makes it not show. Sure, at least for us, it's not very memorable yeah (laughs) in either a good or a bad way (laughs) right it's just there (laughs) all right so for me i'm gonna socket this into the c tier i think uh like i said there's nothing offensively bad about this album it's very listenable uh if you put this on like if i was in the car with you and you put on the black album i wouldn't complain you know it's 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 listenable i'm not gonna have any problems with it but it's not something that I myself am going to go choose to listen to. Yeah. So uh, definitely C tier for me.
1: Yeah, cool. Uh, and I would also put it in the C tier. Like you, I would never choose to listen to this. I would never just put on the Black You know what I want to listen to? The Black Elf. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I, yeah, like you said, there's nothing like bad on this album if someone put it on i wouldn't be like turn this off right now <laughs> <laughs> and i like objectively it is i guess well produced and there's a reason it's popular it, i just you know personally don't really like it so
0: it's in C tier. all right so moving on from the black album we're going to get to load which is a real banger of an album Uh, It is the sixth studio album for Metallica, and it came out on June 4th of 1996. And this is the first half of what is considered to be a double album, essentially, between Load and then the next album, Reload. Mm -hmm. Load features 14 tracks and clocks in at 79 minutes. So we're really starting to get up there in terms of the runtime of the album. And this is really where Metallica decided, you know, they were done with metal. This is very much like a bluesy, hard rock kind of album. There's not a lot on here that I would really even call purely metal. It's got a lot of these very southern kind of inspired like slide guitar parts on some of the songs for the leads. Mm -hmm. And a lot more of the very low-key, like clean guitar kind of-esque sections. They use that for intros a lot throughout the album. A lot of these songs will start off with a riff that's played kind of quietly on the clean guitar before the distortion kicks in and the song really gets going. yeah, Man, there just really isn't anything on here that stands out. <laughs> <laughs> For me, at least. Yeah, um, I think the Outlaw Torn, which is the closer, is a really great song. I do actually like Bleeding Me. I think that's a pretty good song. Mm-hmm. And uh, ironically enough, the song where they basically go full country, Mama Said, I like that one a lot as well. Yeah, And then... If I had to pick one of the other songs that kind of encapsulates this new sound they're going for, I think the first track, Ain't My Bitch, is kind of a good, you know, representation of what they were trying to do in this time frame. And I don't think it's a bad track. I don't know that I would go back and listen to it all that much. Yeah. But after that song, you get into a bunch of real bad stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, this album, they definitely like pretty much changed their genre completely. It is pretty much like a bluesy, hard rock album. I I don't really like it that much overall. I just feel like the songwriting is pretty boring. I guess if they were going to do this type of genre, they could have tried harder on the songwriting yeah it's just like i again i can't really remember specifically a lot of these songs they kind of just blend together a lot of them have like these mid-paced bluesy riffs and um i I actually agree with you it's funny the three songs you said you like are the three songs i like the outlaw torn is really good Uh, bleeding me is pretty good and i like mama said but other than that I I'm good. Like uh, I'm not gonna go back
0: to any of these songs. Yeah, <laughs> this is really where you hit the worst of that. All the songs run together. You know, part of their discography. Yeah, I I couldn't pick other than the songs the the four I mentioned. I couldn't pick any of these out and be like, oh yeah, that's what this one sounds like. Mm-hmm. They all just run together. They all they all have try to have like this kind of like catchy chorus, like sing along kind of chorus. And they all kind of have the same song structure for the most part. And it's just very basic, straightforward songwriting. And none of the riffs are really all that stand out, in my opinion. Yeah. I remember
1: what, like, some of the singles sounded like. Like, Until It Sleeps and King Nothing. I remember Ain't My Bitch, but they're not very good songs, I don't think. (laughs) And uh, it's also so long that, like, by the end of it, you're like, when is this going to end? Yes. Like, if it was, like, 45 minutes, it wouldn't be as bad. But they love making these long albums now, from this point on.
0: This is also the the point in time where they, like, decided to, like, start wearing, like, cowboy hats and cut their hair. (laughs) Yeah. And I think Jason Newstead even started wearing, like, eyeliner. So they were really just trying to revamp their image, yeah. I guess. I don't really know why. It would make yeah. more sense to me to make a sequel to the Black album than mm-hmm. try to go in this drastic new direction. Yeah. I guess they were—they had finally hit the top and they just wanted to do what they wanted to do. Like they, Maybe they really were into this bluesy vibe that they were going for on this album. That's, yeah. my, that's the only thing I can figure, really.
1: Yeah. It's kind of interesting because they're from California, but There's like Southern influence around this
0: time. It doesn't feel authentic though, really. If you listen to these albums, it feels like like yuppies cosplaying as cowboys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I do think it's interesting, uh, having gone back and re-listened to some of the tracks off of here recently, and just how much my taste in music has changed since the last time I listened to any of these songs. I think that Bleeding Me and Outlaw Torn, they actually kind of remind me a lot of, like, some of the post-rock stuff I'm into. They have this kind of, like, building feel to them where they start out very, like, quiet. Yeah. And they have a lot of, like, kind of oddly textured guitar parts to kind of layer in the mix and, like, build, like, an atmosphere almost. Yeah. And they, you know, build up, like, in volume and then drop back down and kind of play with the dynamic Of the mix. And I thought that was kind of interesting, especially for, you know, 1996. Right. For a metal band to be trying to do that. Right. And I think that that's why those songs, I think, stand out to me so much is because they're trying, obviously, to do something different than the other different stuff they're trying to do on the (laughs) album. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Bleeding Me and That Outlaw Twin definitely stand out on the album because they're less about having, like, a verse chorus structure and definitely more. Just structurally, they're different, and they try different things, which are interesting. There's, like, extended, like, solo sections, I think, and it's like, okay, maybe if the rest of the album was more like this...
0: Yeah, like, if they had made 79 minutes of music like this, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more, honestly. Yeah. But the problem is, the rest of it's not like that. Right. They even could have made a pure country album, like Mama said, because I really like that song. Yeah. And I think... I don't know what kind of country album would be 79 minutes long. <laughs> right. <laughs> but a full album of stuff like that, I think, I probably would have enjoyed more. Mm-hmm. Would I have considered it a good Metallica album? Probably not. <laughs> but it, it might have been a good album on its own merit. Yeah. But just as it stands, overall, I think this fails as a Metallica album and just as an album overall.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It. I just feel like they could have done something else or just make this more interesting somehow for the productions good i guess that that's something
0: <laughs> yeah it definitely has that like southern vibe with like a lot of the guitar production and uh like all the slide guitar parts and stuff yeah i can, I can very clearly see what they were trying to do <laughs> i just think they failed at it just on a songwriting level
1: hmm. yeah so as far as putting it into the tier list, I think I would squarely put this into D tier. It's not really a good album. It has a few highlights, like I mentioned, but it just, as an album, it does kind of fail. So it's, it's D tier for me.
0: I think this, for me, kind of balances... They're on the cusp of C-tier from D-tier. Just because the three tracks I mentioned, I do like a lot. I think they're really great songs. Yeah, yeah. And they do a lot to pull this album up. That's um, true, yeah, They are really good. So I think for me, I would have to put this in C-tier, but below the Black album. Okay. Just overall. It's like a low C.
1: Yeah. If it if it could be like straddling C and D-tier in the middle, yeah. you might... Put it that
0: way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like they probably could have solved it just by cutting some of the filler out. Like yeah. if this was a shorter album and it was still the same songs, I would enjoy it more, I think. Just because there'd be less to sit through. Right. But as it, this is just such a slog to listen to to get to the good stuff. If you're just going to sit down to listen to the album from front to back. Mm-hmm. And when there's just no reason to do that. <laughs> yeah. Because most of the songs do fit pretty squarely into like D tier.
1: hmm Yeah, if they cut out, like, maybe 20 minutes of filler from this, I would probably bump it up to C tier. But there's just so much, like, filler on here that it really hurts the experience for me. Okay, so next up we have Reload, which was released November 18th, 1997. It has 13 songs coming in at 76 minutes. So, uh, you know, Metallica was like, you know, the world needs more load. We have to reload, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what I read, that originally they wanted it to be a double album, but they had so much stuff that Uh, they had to release it at two separate times because it took so long to get it all done. Hmm. So they were very into this music they were making.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They recorded these albums at the same time, I think,
0: right? around the same time yeah right? the same time
1: I feel like uh with this album I feel very similarly to it as I do about Load It's pretty much the exact same style of music uh obviously it was all recorded around the same time so it's again like bluesy hard rock and it it still doesn't really work for me there are a few highlights in my opinion which uh, I would say, like, Fixer, I think, is a really good closer. I really like Fixer. The Unforgiven 2, I actually really like also. It's probably my favorite Unforgiven part. Oh, well, I guess that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there were more than two songs, actually. But, that, yeah, that's about all I take away from this album. I mean, you got some, like, a hit. Hits like Fuel, which I used to like
0: yeah but that's a big single yeah there was i had a hot wheels racing game on the playstation one and that was like the main menu music it was the first thing you heard when you started the game up. was oh, wow. fuel <laughs> so that was my very first introduction to metallica back when i was like five years old oh, was okay. fuel <laughs>
1: dang but again i can't tell you what most of these songs sound like it just all blends together I I remember The Memory Remains, and it was okay. (laughs) But what do you think about this album?
0: I mean, overall, I think this is just load but worse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The only song I really like is Low Man's Lyric. Oh, really? I actually like Low Man's Lyric a good bit. Hmm. And I think Fixer's alright. It kind of feels like the Outlaw Torn again. Yeah. I just don't, I don't think it's as good as the Outlaw Torn. Yeah, I don't either. But, um, those are really the only two songs on here that I really like. Really? I used to like the Unforgiven 2. I don't know, like, the, just the, the, like, forced southern feel of all these (laughs) songs, really, like, to now, now to me, it just comes across as, like, corny, almost, like, I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah, I just don't, it it doesn't, doesn't work with me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah i guess you can hear it in some of like the way he's singing in some of the songs like, yeah lay beside me yeah
0: and like a lot like the guitar parts kind of have that like southern slidey kind of feel oh yeah and yeah it just, i don't know <laughs> it's just overall these are more songs that all run together and aren't good yeah and i think overall i think even though it's the same style of music i think that overall these songs are actually worse than the ones on load i would rather listen to load than listen to this one
1: yeah i agree i feel like this is load but slightly worse like the quality on this album is even a little lower than load like sequels are never as good as the original (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah
0: so and load didn't need a sequel it was already (laughs) 75 minutes long (laughs) yeah (laughs)
1: Yeah, I feel like it was another misstep for them, pretty much. I I mean, I go back to Fixer, like I said, occasionally. And, like, if you put on the Unforgiven 2, I would probably, like, enjoy it. But I remember, especially towards the end of this album, the song's really, like, just getting on my nerves, I guess. Like, I remember really not liking... Like, where the wild things are, or, or, uh, like, I guess, attitude. I just remember the end of this album being, like,
0: even worse than the beginning. It gets worse as it goes along. Except for, like I said, Fixer is alright, and I like Low Man's Lyric. Low Man's Lyric is kind of like the monoset of this album, where it's, like, not really heavy in any way. Not even hard rock. But I appreciate that. Mm. It feels like, you know it feels different to me from the rest of the stuff different enough to like be worth listening to
1: yeah yeah i feel like fixer does tries to do the same thing that the outlaw torn did but it's just like slightly worse but still i still think it's pretty good (laughs) i just feel like if they had done more songs like that which are like longer and more atmospheric and have more, like, kind of less traditional uh, song structures. These albums would have been more interesting.
0: Yeah. They could have kept, like, all the southern elements. And, yeah. Yeah, kind of like you said, go for more, like, a post-rock vibe where you're, like, not using traditional structures mm-hmm. and, like, trying to have more atmospheric guitar parts instead of these just very generic, like, bluesy riffs. Like, mm-hmm. imagine a world where we got two post-rock Metallica albums. How crazy that would be. Yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. Because, <laughs> because like, like Outlaw Torn, it shows they can do it and Bleeding right. Me from Load and Fixer to an extent from this one. Yeah. They, they could pull it off.
1: Yeah. They clearly are able to do it. Yeah. They just chose not to do it. Yeah. Mostly.
0: <laughs> they wanted to kick up their cowboy boots instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> make songs like fuel yeah give me food give me fire (laughs) (laughs) i will say too just between load and reload also i feel like the lyricism is bad like on on the whole i feel like these some of these lyrics are just cringy in a lot of places Mm. uh it's definitely a noticeable step down from even the black album i feel like the lyricism is fine oh yeah but Mm. a lot of the lyrics on here i think just suck Right. Like, they're trying way too hard to be kitschy, I think. And it just really hurts the music overall.
1: Oh. I actually don't remember too many of the lyrics, but there's I my mean, I believe for that. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuel doesn't have good lyrics. I know that. <laughs> I remember, I do remember the Memory Remains had this weird chorus with that lady singing. Yeah. Which was different and unexpected, but I
0: mean, it was it was great. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as far as the tier list goes for me, this is going to be load, but lower. I feel like the two songs I like would probably fit solidly in C tier for me. But overall, I think this is going to be an F. An F. An F for oh, me. Wow. I do not like reload. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: That, that's intense. Yeah. I didn't expect that. <laughs> uh, for me, I would actually also solidly put it in, in the D tier, uh, just like load, but but a lower D tier. <laughs> um, it's just uh, not a good album. Yeah. I uh, kind of wish they had just moved on from this sound instead of making another album. But uh, I guess, like you said, they had too much material. <laughs>
0: They were clearly very into this. It's what they wanted to do, and they made so much money off the Black album, they could just do whatever they wanted. Yeah, that's true. All right, so moving on from Reload, there's a bit of a gap in their discography. We're going to be moving on to St. Anger, which is their eighth studio album. It came out in June of 2003, June 5th to be specific. This is kind of a notorious album just for the recording of it. It was a very turbulent time for the band where they were really at each other's throats. Jason Newstead left the group. James Hetfield was going into rehab. And it was just a very bad time to be in Metallica. There's 11 songs on here total, and it comes out to 75 minutes, naturally. Nice. And man, I, I went back and re-listened to this in preparation for this podcast. The whole thing? Yes. Oh, man. And I got some feelings. Really? Yeah. I think this is underrated 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 oh my god i'm not saying it's good but i'm i do think like i can listen to some of these songs and i can hear a version of them in my head that i would really like really yeah like they went for this very uh kind of dissonant like chunky production vibe with lots of like very rhythmic riffing and, like, a very angry energy to it. For songs like like Some Kind of Monster or Dirty Window or Invisible Kid, I feel like you could, first off, replace the snare drum. <laughs> that is not good, no matter which way you look at it. Yeah. You give it a more traditional snare drum, and you, like, you get, like, a vocalist who can, like, scream. Like, cut out the harmony or, like, the melody or any of that. Just have somebody scream and deliver the lyrics. Like the one thing I kept thinking about listening to this album was like Admiral Angry of all things. Really? Yeah, like if you gave somebody with that kind of vocal energy and just make the drums sound better, I think I would actually really like this album. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But I'm not saying all these songs are salvageable. (laughs) Um, Frantic, St. Anger, terrible tracks. There's this string... Uh, My World, Shoot Me Again, and Sweet Amber. Those are all awful. So, yeah, a lot of the hate this gets is very deserved, I think. Mm. But there is an album in here that, like, appeals to me if it was just done better. <laughs> oh, wow. That is really interesting. Actually. I did
1: not expect that. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I, uh, personally, I, I've always, like, I've never disliked this album as much as most people. I actually kind of liked it when I first heard it. But then I listened to it again. And I was like, okay, maybe it isn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it is a really interesting album. And I actually think some of the songwriting is, like, like decent. Just the production, obviously, is not very good. And, like, the snare drum is sounds bad i understand what i think they were trying to do with the snare drum like make it sound raw and stuff
0: make it sound raw in other ways yes i don't know you don't need to make the snare drum sound awful to have it sound raw you can you can achieve that in other ways
1: yeah (laughs) and like i actually think songs like "Frantic" and some kind of monster are kind of decent dirty window invisible kid I kind of like Sweet Amber, too. But then there are other songs which are just not very good. I've always hated Purify. I think that's one of probably Metallica's worst songs. That chorus is so annoying.
0: <laughs> yeah. The worst, um, the worst parts of this album, I think, are when they try to, like, cut the distortion and have, like, a melodic singing part. Yeah. It's, all those parts on this album are awful. Like, right. They should have just stuck with the heavier feeling, I feel like.
1: Mm, yeah. Um, And then, like, his vocals also are rough in patches. Like, he tries to, like... I think he's, like, straining his voice where, like, it becomes, like, very high-pitched in some parts and it just sounds bad. The lyrics are also rough in some of these songs. Oh, yeah. bad lyricism. Yeah. But... I guess if they like, maybe made this an EP with like five of these songs, and really improved the production, I think it would be like decent. But like again, it's so long that by the end I'm like, oh, I'm tired of this
0: album. <laughs> it's way too long.
1: Yeah. So, I kind of agree with you in that. I feel like it's probably a little over hated, but I just have like a different perspective. Like for me, I just think that they should cut out a lot of like half the album <laughs> and improve the production. <laughs> but you're saying like if you know, there's a different vocalist, better production.
0: Not even necessarily better production. Oh. I really just think if you if you changed the snare out oh. and had like a more of, like, an extreme metal vocalist. Like, you know, more of a high-pitched scream. Not not like a like a death metal, like, growl. I don't think that would suit it. Mm. But try to, like, lean into, like, the more hardcore punk-esque nature of some of these tracks and have, like, someone screaming over top of them. I feel like it would fit the music a lot better than mm. whatever James Hetfield's trying to <laughs> do. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of these riffs, I'm not saying they're, like, particularly innovative or anything, but they're fun, ba- like, bouncy riffs. It's got, like, a lot of, like, raw, like, angry energy to it. Yeah. Which is something that appeals to me in a lot of, like, heavier music. And, yeah, cut out all of them, like, the melodic, clean stuff. None of that needs to be there. Just mm-hmm. focus on, the like, the aggressive, dissonant, like, angry, raw stuff. And mm-hmm. I feel like they're, I would probably like this album, actually, a lot if they had chosen to do that. Oh. But they, like I said, I don't think... Uh, some of these songs I think you would have to cut completely, like... Not not all of it is salvageable. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. It would be
0: interesting for me to like hear like a, I don't know, like a metalcore band or something cover some of these songs. Mm. I feel like that would be interesting to hear.
1: Yeah. yeah. I feel like songs like Some Kind of Monster and Invisible Kid are actually kind of catchy. Yeah. And I think this is a really interesting time for the band. Like, there's a documentary on making of this album i watched that and that was pretty entertaining like just seeing all the issues within the band like it's kind of surprising they didn't break up and just like seeing how they were behaving and uh just them getting mad at each other it was entertaining in the documentaries i would
0: recommend that as it was released, I think this album is more interesting, like you say, as like a capsule of them at the time. Yeah. Like what it says about the band, not necessarily the music itself. It kind of reminds me of uh, like that John Frusciante album that I really like that's like out of production. It's less about like how it comes, how the music actually sounds, but like how it encapsulates how he was at the time, like where he yeah. was in his life. Almost more like an art piece than like a piece of music. Like, what it says about the artist Mm -hmm. is more interesting than the music itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I remember, like, watching the documentary, them, like, writing these songs. It seemed like they really were trying. It's not like they didn't, they just put out something. Like, I mean, obviously, the anger in these songs came from, like, a real place. I feel like they were being pretty like innovative or something because you know they switched out the snare sound and they didn't want any solos on this album. I feel like they thought it would be a lot better or more interesting than it is. Yeah, I don't think it really succeeds as an album, but it is interesting. I guess you know, like I said, as a time capsule of where they were as a band yeah so as far as putting it in the tier list i was kind of debating between c and d tier like if i could put it between c and d tier i would but i think i'm just gonna go ahead and put it in c tier which is i'm sure higher than what a lot of people would put it in i don't think it's an awful album actually it's it's just kind of mediocre, I think. Like, there's some, some decent songs on here that I might occasionally go back to. But then there's also, like, garbage, like Purify. And it's also way too long and bloated. And the production, you know, isn't great. Especially the snare drum. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to go in C-tier for me.
0: And for me, it's funny to look at it now because, like I said, my taste in music since I had last listened to this album has changed so much. And, like, you know, what what types of music and what about those types of music appeals to me? Like, production decisions and songwriting decisions and stuff like that. If you had come to me, you know, uh, three or four years ago, five years ago, maybe, I, this would have been an easy F tier for mm-hmm. me
1: yeah i I remember you really didn't used to like this album right
0: yeah but listening back to it now with like a different perspective on it i think i would probably put it in c tier honestly
1: Hmm. so interesting
0: like i said i think um a lot of like the raw production does like appeal to me I, i enjoy that raw sounding production but like you said the snare drum is not the choice for that that's not that's not a raw choice. That's a bad choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a lot of the like uh, kind of syncopated, groovy, bouncy riffing is, I think, is something that appeals to me. Something that I might have like looked down upon at one time that I've just kind of learned is, it, I like it. It's just I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's funny. I've I've heard a long time ago. There were these games on the app store called Tap Tap. I'm sure you remember them.
1: I remember. And there
0: was a Tap Tap Metallica. And it was all Metallica songs. And there was a version on that app of some kind of monster with a regular snare drum. Really? I distinctly remember this and being like, wow, this is actually a good song. (laughs) When you replace the snare drum with one that's way more reasonable. Yeah. I don't know if that was like an early version like before, he decided to ruin the whole album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, wow, um, that's crazy. Yeah, that's kind of kind of sums up my feelings on it. If he just switched the snare drum, I think that this would probably be at least a B for me. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, but I, as it stands, it definitely is C.
1: Interesting. Nice. But well, we agree pretty much. I uh, I agree that I think the snare drum is the biggest problem with the production. Like the guitar tone isn't great, but I do think it almost kinda of works for this type of music and like it is like an angry album and frustrated. It and it kind of works with that style. But yeah, the snare is an issue.
0: Yeah. And I think there's a lot of cool, like um again, kinda of going back to what I said about like the outlaw horn and stuff, there's some very strange, like textured guitar parts on here that just kind of randomly show up as like overdubs Hmm. and a lot of that i think is really cool like going for these very off the wall sounding guitar tones to like put over the music and i think there's some interesting production choices in that regard but it's all just kind of overshadowed like you said by the snare drum yeah and i
1: wish the lyrics were better like he i know he's a better lyric writer than this Like, if you look at the earlier albums, right? Yeah. This album one, I don't know. Maybe he was just having that midlife crisis and uh, it affected his writing ability. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's my world, you can't have it. Yeah, (laughs) that's awful. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, And (laughs) my lifestyle determines my death style. Yeah, infamously
0: bad. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I think I remember in... The documentary seeing where he came up with that lyric and he thought it was like genius. If I remember (laughs) right.
2: I can definitely see that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. All right. So next up, we have Metallica's ninth studio album, which is Death Magnetic, which came out September 12th, 2008. And it has 10 tracks coming in at about 75 minutes again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Gotta hit that 75 minute mark.
1: Yeah. Yeah, with Death Magnetic uh, again, changed genres and pretty much went back to a thrash metal style. I mean, this album, honestly, I feel like this album is a little bit underrated. Uh, Like you said about St. Anger being a little underrated. I honestly like this album. I think it might be a little bit just nostalgia. Because I remember being like 16. And uh, when I really kind of discovered this album. And I remember really enjoying the songs then. And a lot of these songs I still enjoy now. I just feel like. The songwriting really did improve, I think, from the last several albums. There's catchy parts on there. There's uh, cool solos. I just felt like the energy was back, you know. It was thrashy again. The the lyricism is definitely a step up, I think, from St. Anger. The one big, like, glaring problem with this album, which everyone talks about, is the production. Which, you know, is infamously very compressed and like overblown, I guess. Which I also think is kind of a problem. But I don't know. I guess when I'm listening to it, I don't really notice it that much. Like, if I, if I try to listen, really hear it, I can see that, okay, there's like clipping and, you know, this is just too loud. But, I guess I just focus on the songwriting, which I like. So I do wish like they had not compressed it so much and (laughs) ruined the production. But I I enjoy the album uh, overall. So uh, what do you think about the album?
0: Uh, This is another album that, like you said, I feel like I got a lot of nostalgia for. This was the first album after I got into Metallica that they put out. And it was kind of right there around the same time I got into them is when it came out. Hmm. So I feel like that has a lot of, you know, nostalgia for me. Just having, going out to Best Buy to buy the CD and like listening to it on repeat. Because I really used to listen to this album a lot. Uh-huh. Back before I knew what bad production was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, And I do feel like it's a been a return, a return to form. Definitely going back to the thrashy sound was a good choice. Uh, Again, kind of like in between Reload and St. Anger, there's a bit of a gap here where they took some time off, it seems like, to kind of refocus almost. And they did put out some really good songs on here. The songwriting, I think, for the most part, is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Uh, That Was Just Your Life is a great opener, I think, for this album. I like All Nightmare Long, I think, is pretty good. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Judas Kiss, I like a lot. And I think I remember liking Suicide and Redemption a good bit as the instrumental and the day that never comes is basically just one again (laughs) but i think it's a good track yeah i do uh, songs like cyanide and my apocalypse i don't particularly like my apocalypse in particular and cyanide to a degree remind me of battery which is a classic metallica song i just don't like so i kind of always draw that comparison in my head uh, when it comes to those two songs but on the whole, I think this is a pretty solid listen. No. Oh. And as far as the production goes, it's interesting. You can go online and this came out, you know, around the same time as Guitar Hero Metallica and the Guitar Hero Craze. Mm-hmm. And they had every song on this album in the game in an uncompressed form. Yeah. So that's actually, there. there's a better produced version of this album out there, like on YouTube and stuff, where they just ripped it from the game instead of using, you know, the CD version. Yeah. And it sounds way better like the production i think of that is
1: far improved yeah i have heard about that like that the uh versions they used in the guitar hero metallica game are like not so compressed and have good production (laughs) so that's pretty cool there are some really good songs on here that was just your life i think is a really good opener the day that never comes honestly i really like all nightmare long It actually might be one of my favorite songs from (laughs) them, like, period. I even like, like, the Unforgiven 3. Like, the only song that I really don't think is that good is probably Broken Beat and Scarred. I never really cared for that one. I, I do feel like this was pretty much like a return to form. I just, I feel like a lot of people don't really like this album that much. Like, they think it's pretty average, but... No, I think it's, like, pretty solid. Yeah, the only, like, I guess the biggest flaw with it is the production. And uh, even that, uh, I can kind of overlook. And like you said, there is a better version out there, so technically you could, like, rip that and just listen to that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I know, for me, uh, I think I definitely fall into the camp on this album where the production is a problem for me. Oh yeah. Um it's not like like with justice for All there was, you know, a production choice that for me at least adds to the experience of the album. Whereas the the choice on here to like really, you know, make everything as loud as possible really detracts from the album overall for me. Mm-hmm. It's just listening to it now is it's just noticeable. Like every second of the listen I'm just like wow, this sounds so bad. <laughs> And not in the same way that, like, St. Anger is, where it's got, like, a kind of a weak tone. Like, the guitar tone, I think, on here is pretty solid. And, like, the mix of all the instruments, I feel like, is really good. It's just, it's all so loud. Like, yeah. if you just quiet it down, it would be much better. Yeah. Um And that is really a big detractor for me, just in terms of enjoying this now. Yeah. Uh, it used to not bother me back in the day, but having, you know, explored a lot of other types of music with, like, very, you know, varied production... And, you know, having, like, a broader understanding of what makes production good or bad, at least for me personally, listening to this nowadays is kind of rough. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, I just, I think uh, this was the album that Rick Rubin produced. Yeah. And I guess that's what he wanted to do.
0: (laughs) Well, that's what they call it, the loudness wars, where it was just, like, constantly... Rick Rubin, I guess, was just producing everything and making it as loud as possible because that was what was trendy at the time for some reason. Yeah. I don't really understand why. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, this album in particular, it really just doesn't work for me. Yeah. I know some of Red Hot Chili Peppers' albums from that time kind of have that problem mm-hmm. where I think some of the mixing on their albums got too loud, for, especially for the style, type of music they were playing. Yeah. But it, when, when you have a, a style of music that's already very loud, like thrash metal, it doesn't help to like produce it as loud as possible. On top of that, yeah, that's true. And
1: this was the first album with Robert Trujillo, which was their new bassist. So that's I guess. Don't worry.
0: Yeah, I feel like he does a better job than Jason Newstead. Oh yeah, just in terms of his playing and kind of contributions in the tracks.
1: Right. He is a really good bassist. Yeah, he's really good as a bassist. we had Bob Rock do the bass parts who produced that album because they basically didn't have a bassist at yep. that point <laughs> and then like I think right after they finished recording that one they hired Robert Trujillo yeah for this album there is like a also like a documentary of like the making of the album but with Saint Anger it was more about just talking about the all the turmoil that the band was going through But but this one is literally, like, with each song, there's, like, a making of, like, how did they come up with it and the recording process. Which, I watched some of it, and it's interesting. Just It's interesting seeing how these songs kind of came about originally. I remember for All Nightmare Long, there was this part that Robert Trujillo had written on, like, flamenco guitar. And then, like, James Hetfield heard it. And, like, he was kind of inspired by that to write, like, I think, like, a verse riff in that song, and it turned into this whole big song. So, it, that was interesting. I think it's cool how they kind of release these, docu- like, big documentaries, like, for free just to see, uh, for people to see, like, their creative process, and even though they're this, like, huge band. Yeah. So.
0: You, you you don't often get a lot of insight into like the creative process for really big bands, uh, and it, so that is interesting to see. Yeah, especially you know when with an album like this that's relatively successful in what it's trying to do, mm-hmm. it's interesting to see how they you know come up with the end product. And then with something like St. Anger it's interesting to see you know what led to it becoming the way it was, like the state of the band and stuff. Right. It takes a lot of you know guts to film that. You know. <laughs> almost them breaking up and then still put it out for people to see
1: yeah i will say that i've never been big on suicide and redemption i feel like it's one of their weaker instrumentals it's not bad i just wish it was a little more interesting i just feel like the riffs could be a little bit better but not a big complaint
0: all right so going to the tier list for me this would be one that i think would straddle like the bc line i think in terms of the songwriting and the execution of the songs i think it's pretty solidly b tier but the production is really like a big negative for me so i think i would probably have to say that it's like as high as you can go in c tier without becoming b tier just because wow. the production's such a big hurdle for me to get over for this album yeah that
1: darn production <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for me, I would put it, like, squarely in B here. Pretty confidently I would put it there. I think it's a good album. I don't have any, like, major complaints with it, to be honest. I understand uh, the production being an issue. I guess maybe my ears just aren't maybe, like, that trained <laughs> where I can, like, pick out, you know, issues in the the recording
0: But, uh, yeah, that's a very valid complaint. It's not even so much that there's issues in the recording of the tracks. It's just the post-production. Like, there's way too much compression. Everything's way too loud. Uh, Like, there's nothing wrong with the actual guitar parts or the bass parts or the drum parts or anything like that. mm -hmm. Uh, Not for me, at least. Yeah. It's just what they did with them once they were done recording. (laughs) Yeah. That's the problem.
1: Yeah, that is kind of crazy. Like, Rick Rubin, he's a professional... Producer, who's been doing it for a long time, and he was just like, Yeah, let's just compress
0: this. <laughs> that looks good. That sounds good. Well, I've read that he's never had any like professional training. oh, he man. just kind of started out like helping people he knew get records made, oh, and so man. he became like a big name and like a big producer, but he's never had any like formal like you know training for his ears or anything like that,
1: yeah, actually, I think I also read that yeah.
0: But it's crazy, too, because at the same time, didn't Rick Rubin produce, like, Rain and Blood? Yeah. Which is, like, a classic 80s thrash album, and it sounds great. Mm -hmm. There's no over-compression or anything like that. So he obviously, even if he hasn't been trained, he knows what he's doing. Or at least he used to know what he's doing.
1: Yeah, and he produced the System of a Down albums.
0: Yeah, he did do that as well. So it's just crazy how this one went so wrong.
1: Yeah. (laughs) All
0: right, so moving on from Death Magnetic, we're coming up to... Their final, as of right now, studio album, Hardwired to Self-Destruct, this is their 10th album, and it released November 18th of 2016. Now, just as a note, they do have a new album coming out relatively soon,
1: yeah. as
0: of this recording, uh, but we're not going to be putting that on the tier list, there's only two songs out on it, mm-hmm. and I haven't heard either of them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting to note that this is like a eight-year gap, eight seven, eight year gap between Death Magnetic and this album. Yeah. So, like a very long time in yeah, between releases. Yeah, I think the
1: longest gap.
0: Yeah. And coming down to the track list, we have 12 songs coming in at 77, almost 78 minutes. So, really hitting that 75 minute mark, as per usual. <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah, for me, this is an album that really came out after I had gotten out of thrash metal kind of as a whole they're still like classic albums like their early 80s albums i listened to and uh like uh, some Megadeth albums and slayer albums i go back to in terms of thrash metal but you know death magnetic came out at a time when i was listening to a lot of thrash and this came out at a time when i was barely listening to any thrash <laughs> so i really for a long time never heard much off of this at all uh, I remember listening to Atlas Rise, which was like the leading single off the album, and thinking it was okay. And going back and listening to some of these in preparation for this, I mean, it it's kind of almost a retread of how I feel about the Black album. Yeah. A, a lot of these songs run together, and I feel like the, the riffing is not all that interesting. I feel like some of the thrash energy from Death Magnetic is almost kind of lost on this album. It's still not as slow-paced as, like, the Black Album is. It's still thrash, yeah. but it feels very much like, you know, 60-year-old men making a thrash metal album. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not trying to say that as, like, a bad thing. Like, you know, I don't expect them to make another, you know, Ride the Lightning when they're 60 years old. But, I mean, these songs just don't stick out for at all for me. They're just very kind of generic, modern... Thrash with a very kind of clean production. Nothing really sticks out, Mm -hmm. and it's just it's just an album that kind of happened, (laughs) (laughs) at least for me, right.
1: I don't care for this album. I I agree with you a lot of what you said. I've never thought about it, but I actually agree that it is kind of like the Black album in a sense that it's just kind of like standard heavy metal that kind of blends together. And doesn't really stick out very much. And I actually, I don't know if I've listened to this album, like, front to back. But I've at least skimmed through all of the songs. And uh, I just wasn't interested enough to, like, listen to the whole thing, I think. But I do feel like, uh, like you said, a lot of the thrash energy from uh, Death Magnetic is lost here. It's actually, I feel, more kind of heavy metal then thrash metal, there's like thrash on there, but a lot of it is, I feel, just mid-paced, like heavy metal, and I just feel like the songwriting is really not good, it's very, like the riffs are very boring, the solos don't really stand out, and like, I don't know, I don't think it's particularly catchy, like most of it, the one song I think is like decent, is Spit Out The Bone, the, the last song, Which is actually pretty thrashy and uh, has some, like, kind of good riffs, a cool, like, great section. But even that one, I don't go back to very much. (laughs) But, yeah, like, I think Hardwired might have been, like, the lead single from this album. And I remember hearing that one and thinking it was, like, really uninspired, (laughs) I don't think it's a good album. And I I don't like it. Like, I feel like it's almost below average cuz it's so long and it's too boring for like too long that it just it works against the album.
0: Yeah, I I share a lot of that same sentiment. This was around the time when like Slayer was kind of coming to a close. You know, they yeah. realized that they can't they can't keep doing what they're doing forever. And I feel like Metallica really needs to kind of think about that. Especially considering they have another <laughs> new album coming out here soon. Yeah. Like, They've already done their drastic change. It's not like now that they're 60 years old they can go make country rock. Because they already tried that in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would almost be more interesting if they had waited to do it now. Now that they're almost kind of aging out of this style of music they helped found. Mm-hmm. It, I feel like it would be interesting to see them try to go in a different direction. But they're obviously kind of intent on, you know, going staying within the realm of metal, and just uh, to be such an inspirational band, it's like they're so far removed from the modern metal scene that all their music just comes across as, like you said, kind of uninspired. It just, it just, it's just metal. Yeah, and none of the riffs are particularly interesting. I do feel like. If I had to choose between this or the Black Album, I'd probably rather listen to this, just because it does lean more on the thrashier side. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, I don't have the... I don't feel like... um, It's not boring to the point of me, like, disliking it. Like, Mm -hmm. this is, again, an album I think you could put on, and I wouldn't complain about it being on. I could listen to it. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing here for me to want to come back to at all, on my own.
1: Also, the production, for some reason, I I don't like it. It's... Technically, it's, like, well-produced, but it feels so, like, sterile, I guess, is the word. Just, like...
0: Kind of lifeless. Yeah, lifeless. Yeah.
1: There's nothing interesting about it, or... Most of the songs don't really sound, like, punchy. It's just, like, black. <laughs> yeah. And that also adds to my, like, dislike of the album. The tier list goes... I think I would actually put this in D here, like I feel like I shouldn't <laughs> dislike this album, but I don't know. Something about it just irks me. It's like, come on, man, you could have done better than this. Again, spit out of the bone is like the one, like good part of the album, but it's just too long and too boring. That it like works against the album so i would put it in d tier i it's like definitely at uh at the bottom of like my metallica ranking along with like load and reload so yeah that's how i feel
0: i'd probably put it right around c tier like if black album is like straight in the middle c tier i'd put this just a little above it maybe just because I said, like, I do, I prefer this to the Black album, at least. Yeah. But like you said, there's nothing here, really, to come back to. It's just, it's just Metallica. Like It's like if you um, just distilled Metallica down and, like, told an AI to generate a Metallica song or a Metallica album, this is what would come out.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty accurate. Yeah. Those were all the albums, and we put them in the tier list. I guess I didn't have anything in the F tier. Because I guess I don't hate any of their albums enough to put it in F tier. That's like, you know, an intense tier. (laughs) Yeah. I really don't like Reload. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I didn't know that. That's
0: interesting. (laughs) Dang. Especially having listened to it after Load, like in preparation for this. It's just like, God, it keeps on going. (laughs) More of this. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I get that
1: I feel like they obviously are very influential and one of the most important metal bands in my opinion But I feel like at this point like I don't want to tell them to stop but I don't see them really having anything like (laughs) interesting to say anymore or like interesting music to make Cause they have a very established style, and they they stick with that. Yeah, you're not gonna see them making a post metal album. I don't think you want.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's like like I said, like they're kind of out of touch with like the modern metal trends. Yeah, you know they don't have any of that like like real hardcore influence like metalcore bands do.
2: Right. They're
0: not doing anything interesting or subversive like post metal bands or like atmospheric sludge bands or anything like that. And yeah, they just they make what they're known for making. Yeah. And That's not a bad thing. Uh, they have very obviously have an established fan base that likes what they do, because uh, I remember when Hardwired came out, there were lots of people online, you know, saying, "Oh, Metallica's back!" You know, more great songs from Metallica. Yeah. And the same thing with the new singles from the new album that I haven't listened to. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like if I wanted to listen to something that's not classic, like thrash, that's not classic thrash, I would pick like a vector album over like hardwired because vector is Mm -hmm. doing all this crazy technical stuff within the realm of thrash metal yeah that's nowhere metallica could never do any of that just because of their age you know it's not their fault they used to be you know at the top of the game and they're just not anymore right and that's just the way of things but they still have you know no one can dispute those first four arguably five albums Mm -hmm. it's like classics and like some of the most influential metal albums of all time you know the genre wouldn't be where it is today without those albums
1: right yeah i think they were cutting edge in the 80s and they're definitely not anymore yeah like they have um you know they're gonna stick to that same type of production and like songwriting that they're known for i just feel like they, I don't think they have anything like interesting left to say with that type of style.
0: Yeah. You can only make so many albums like that before it just becomes the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Anything to say about the new album?
1: Uh, I will not be listening to the new album, I think. <laughs> I've heard the two new singles and I did not like either of them. I don't really want to subject myself to like another 75 minute Metallica album. Um, <laughs> Like, I'm pretty much sure I won't like it. <laughs> Maybe I'll go see if are there are any highlights from the album that like some people uh, people are saying are really good, and I'll just listen to those.
0: <laughs> but even the album cover doesn't look good. Yeah. That's something it, else I know. Like, Hardwired's cover is awful. It's yeah. like one of the worst album covers I've yeah, ever seen. It is, it is really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Like those '80s album covers are like classic, like "Ride the Lightning," "Master of Purpose," and "Justice," and "Justice for All." Yeah. All great album covers,
0: and even "Kill 'Em All." For at the time, having that kind of like you know, the blood and the hammer on the cover—that was that was crazy for the early '80s, having that yeah. kind of thing out on store shelves.
1: That's true. Do you think this will be their last album, or you think they'll make another one? They're like almost sixty. At this point, like 60, basically.
0: Yeah. So. Um, Like I said, with Slayer bowing out, I, I would like to see them stop after this one. <laughs> just kind of like, you know, they, they, they have their legacy. Like, I feel like at a certain point, if they keep trying to make albums, they're just going to ruin their legacy with like a string of very mediocre albums. Yeah. The more albums they keep putting out, the more diluted their discography is going to get. Mm-hmm. so i would like to see them stop but i mean i think Lars just likes money too much <laughs> to stop making music uh, <laughs> <dang>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: i kind of feel like they'll at least make like one more i just they do like tour a lot and it seems like they like making music so. yeah
0: and that's cool like if they just like doing what they do that's cool Like, they can keep doing it.
1: I'm
0: I'm not going to complain about Metallica putting out more albums. I'm not going to listen to them, probably. Yeah. But it's cool that, you know, one of the all-time greats is still around doing their thing. if they want to be doing it. Right. As long as it's not for, you know, some contrived reason. Like, oh, we need more money. Yeah. We got a record deal. (laughs) We got to put another album out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whatever. If they just like what they're doing, that's cool. Let them do it, I guess. Yeah. I agree.
1: I think I feel similarly about Megadeth, where... I don't think they put out like a really good album in a long time. And at this point they're just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. Even though I think Megadeth's newer albums are probably a little bit better than Metallica's newer music.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think Megadeth at least stays truer to that like thrash sound than yeah. Metallica does managed manages to do. Yeah. And Megadeth's on that grind, man. Yeah. There's no eight year gaps in between Megadeth No. They put out a lot of albums yeah. recently. Dave Mustaine is a machine. Yeah. <laughs> but again, that's another one where I'd like I'd like to see Megadeth stop. <laughs> like yeah. just for their legacy's sake. Like I think Rust in Peace might trump anything Metallica's done, outside of maybe Injustice for All. Yeah. So that's like, you know, that is a high throne to have with Rust in Peace. And I just kind of yeah. want to see them be like, all right, we've done what we've done. You know, yeah. we've cemented our place in the history of metal music. You know, we're just going to stop putting out junk. <laughs> yeah. But again, if Dave Mustaine just likes writing the same song over and over again, <laughs> I, that's fine. He can do it. <laughs> right. For all I care. <laughs> yeah.
1: After Rust in Peace, I actually don't really think they've made a particularly good album and they released a lot of albums yeah a lot then. i think it's kind of like you said they're like diluting their legacy at this point with all this mediocre music yeah <laughs> i guess that's about it uh, i do us- want to
0: swoop in here at the end oh okay. just throw in this hot take that i think lulu with the lou reed album is yeah. b-tier 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 high oh, b-tier <laughs>
1: You know, that's a very controversial
0: take. (laughs) That is a very controversial take, I know. High B tier. High B tier. Wow. That's crazy. I think overall (laughs) I might enjoy it more than Master of Puppets. Oh my god. With the lows that Master of Puppets has. (laughs) Dang. That's one of
1: the hottest takes I've ever heard. Wow. I respect that. (laughs) I actually haven't heard Lulu. But maybe I'll try it.
0: It's not even on streaming service. It's not on Apple oh, Music. What? I had to let us do it on YouTube. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll still try it. I don't expect you to like it. Oh, okay. But it is so uh, avant-garde <laughs> that it appeals to me. Yeah. And the last song I think is genuinely really, really good. Hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think I'll try that. <laughs>
0: I guess with that, we're coming to the end of this episode.
1: Yeah. I think we did agree on a lot of albums, and then a few where we, like, maybe disagreed a little bit, but, yeah. Overall, I think we have, like, kind of similar opinions on Metallica.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you fall into one of two groups. You either like the old school stuff, like we do, yeah, or you're like a Black album fan. Yeah, <laughs> and really like that style. And if you if you like the black album, you probably like like Hardwired yeah, and their new album. Cool. I am not
1: in that group. Yeah, Actually. I don't think
0: I'm in that group. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, this yeah. has been fun. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, try to do another tier list for someone else. Yeah, at some that point, fool. We could do a Megadeth tier list. Yeah. Have a bunch of C and Ds. That's true. <laughs> yeah,
1: this one sounds pretty much exactly like the last one. I don't know what to say. Uh, it's like a D detailed... tier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully we'll be back with another episode soon. Podcasts. Are... Uh, that's about it for us,
0: I think, today. I hope you guys have a good Talk to you later. See ya.